Welcome to Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega, Alabama. Keith Walton is over there again because we have a guest. Uh, our guest today is Nicholas Gandy, who's the pastor of Friendship Baptist Church in Springville, Alabama. And Nicholas doesn't know I'm going to say this, so I'm just, I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, I, you graduated from, I've told you this part, um, on my list of top five living preachers to my favorite living expositor. And I say that just having got back from G3 a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm needless to say, this is preaching for us tonight at Revival, and I'm as excited as you, you could possibly imagine to have you preaching for us again. Uh, Nicholas, no pressure. <laughs> Nicholas has preached for us on several occasions, Fall Revival. Uh, we had you for a Good Friday service. Uh, I love to hear you preach, and so we brought you on to talk about preaching. But uh, introduce yourself a little better than, than I did. And, uh, we'll go oh, thanks, thanks for having me. So um, I do pastor Friendship Baptist in Springville and been there uh, two and a half years. And, and uh, they're wonderful people. They love their pastor. They're kind. Uh, and they they accept uh, they accept me well, and so I'm thankful for that the ability to lead them. And uh, my wife Mary Ray and I've been married uh, a little over three years, and uh, we just bought our first house. So right. uh, things things are great. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, well, let's let's just jump in. Um, do you have a personal definition of preaching, or one you like best, or one you kind of throw together? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we throw it together right now. Um, no, I, I mean, I think uh, preaching is not talking. Uh, preaching is not. Uh, I can tell you what it's not. I, I think yeah, preaching well, is often defined by by you know you hear all these other things that people present as preaching, and you're like, that's not preaching. Yeah. Pre- preaching is um, is saying what God's word says to God's people uh, in a way that brings conviction. Uh, in a way that brings encouragement and in a way that brings instruction uh, for how the people of God are supposed to live. Heath, are you writing this down? Sure. <laughs> are you playing video games on your phone right now? I'm not a video game technically. <laughs> okay, anyway. You're not mic'd up so nobody can hear your responses. Um, That's why you should just keep talking. All right, I'm going to keep talking. So let's talk about preparation first because preparation okay. comes before delivery. Yeah. Uh, but as fair warning, delivery is going to come next. Um, what is your personal preparation process? Is that enough Baptist peace for you? Look like um, for just your weekly Sunday sermon. So for me, um, I learned pretty early on that I was never going to be able to um, pick a text from week to week. That is just not at all how I function. Um, I have to know where we're going, mm-hmm. and um, so I build room into the schedule. Uh, I always leave a couple of Sundays here or there throughout the year where I can get to that point in between uh, series and think, okay, where are we as a congregation at this point? What's going on particularly? And and, and try to ask the Lord uh, what text would meet us particularly at this point. Um, but other than those particular Sundays, for me, it is that the preparation starts about 18 months out to pray and to consider what do we need to hear Um, And as I do that, I try to think between Old Testament and New Testament. I try to think between um, series that would fly sort of at a 30,000-foot view uh, of the text and walk through maybe chapter by chapter. Uh, And then also, where can we go down into the weeds and go verse by verse? Um, And because we're in a sort of a traditional format where we have 
Sunday morning and Sunday night as both options. Um, I can cover a lot more ground than a lot of guys are able to do where you just have that Sunday morning option. Um, so right now, like we're, we're walking through um, a real short series on Sunday mornings where we're talking about the welcome that Jesus extends to various kinds of people who are sort of uh, on the outskirts of society and trying to remind ourselves that that when we do the work of evangelism, we're not just evangelizing the people who look like us or act like us or or sound like us, but we're evangelizing all people. Uh, we just got through with four weeks of talking about how does a Christian tell their story? What does that look like? Um, but as we get through this time and then we'll go into a short time for Advent uh, and when we come to the new year, we'll start 22 weeks going through Psalm 119 mm-hmm. and we'll spend a lot of time walking through how does the word of God come to bear upon our lives as faithful followers of Christ. Um, on Sunday nights right now, we're walking through the book of Hosea. Uh, when we finish Hosea, we're going into Isaiah and that will take us uh, ages to go yeah, through. Yeah. Um, so so those that prep starts way out. On a weekly basis, um, it really does start with me going to my calendar, seeing what have we scheduled to preach, what's that next passage that I've broken it down into, asking, was that a good selection when I made that? Is that really the the set of verses that I need to cover? Do I need to expand it? Do I need to con- to, to condense it? And then uh, from there, it's a matter of looking at the text, finding what I think are the natural breaks in the text, and then doing the commentary, and that's my commentary, uh, and then it's reading the commentaries and looking at what's, what is the scholarship on this passage. Um, a lot of times that includes questions and that I have of the text, things that, that I'm not really sure about that I need to look at, and then hopefully by the middle point in the week, I've done all of that work, and then I leave it alone, and it sits from the middle of the week until usually till Saturday before I actually put an outline together. Um, for me, that just works better because I really think that preaching uh, preaching is not for podcasting and preaching is not for YouTubing. Preaching is for the live setting, those who are gathered in that assembly, who are a part of that local church, whose pastor is bringing the word of God to them. And so a part of preaching for me is trying to think, what are our people going through at the moment and how does this meet them where they are um, and what challenges do they need to hear from God's word what do I need to hear from God's word and how does this meet me and so uh, usually sometime on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening I finally sit down uh, and write out that outline and for me uh, typically that looks like uh, you know whatever the major divisions are however I've chosen to to present that um, in support of what I think the main central idea is. Uh, and then um, I usually have the, the scripture printed with that. And then uh, if there is any particular commentary reading that I think is helpful, that gets inserted at that point. Uh, and then for me, it's it's usually one main thought in a bolded text um, for each sub point. And from there, I'm able to, to preach. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you do any any of your work in the uh, original language? Do you diagram sentences from the English? Any of that kind of? I'm a, I'm a sort of a grammar nut, so yeah. I, all that stuff makes me come alive, and that's where the sermon comes from for me. Um, sort of what what's your? What, Are you asking him? Is he does he do it your way? No, I'm asking him what is his process because all, all we've talked about on here is my process, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, there are there are other great ways to do it, yeah. and I, I you know. Uh, 
you being my favorite living preacher, I think we should hear your method. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't, I don't diagram sentences. I don't have the the technical skill to do that. Um, well, I, I do read some of the more technical commentaries, and I have enough understanding of the language to be able to walk through the arguments that are made. Um, but as far as doing the diagramming myself, I'm, I'm my Greek is not that great, and I'm just now taking Hebrew. So, there you uh, go. so we're working through it. Yeah. Um, in in your process, uh, you, you talked about you do your commentary and you read the commentaries. Are you doing that at the same time? Is there a do you give yourself a, a well? Let me just give my example so that maybe I flesh it out a little better. I don't let myself look at commentaries until at least Tuesday because mm-hmm. I want it to be mine, and I know if I go too quickly to the commentaries, I'm going to use you know JMax uh, yeah. outline or, or something like that instead of my own. So I sit with the text by itself before I open commentaries. Um, is that yeah, I would is that say, part of your process? I would today? say that's similar. Um, and usually for me, um, you know, in the busyness of, of ministry and in the vast uh, array of commentaries that we have at our disposal, mm-hmm. you can't read everything. Um, so for me, I usually am zoning in on the passage. In, in the passage, what are the questions that I have? Okay. And I try to, to think about what do I think is going on here? How do I sort of resolve this myself? And then uh, turn to the commentaries to, to ask, well, how did they deal with this? Right. So what, you know, what's going on there? And then from there, you know, we've, we've got a basis. But yes, I, I totally agree. If you've not dealt with the text first yourself, uh, there's no way to not be influenced mm-hmm. um, uh, by the by the commentary reading. I mean, I just think it's incredibly difficult. And you, you des- your people deserve it. You deserve it to deal with it first on your own. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is probably a question that sort of bridges the, you know, maybe bridges between uh, preparation and presentation, but um, one of the things you do really well, and I notice this because I do it really badly, uh, is illustrations. Um, do you pre-plan your illustrations? Are they off the cuff? Is it what hits you in the moment? Where where do those illustrations come from for you? Uh, so the overwhelming majority of them are off the cuff. Okay. Uh, so it is uh, every now and then there's a sermon where I go, you know, I could like tonight, I, I'm going to tell just a quick little something from my life. And that, that one is planned. I've, I've put a little note to myself and, uh, you know, if everything goes according to plan in, in the sermon that I'll tell this little story. Um, but most of the time, uh, most of the time I don't have an introduction planned. Most of the time I don't have illustrations planned. Uh, all I have when I come to the pulpit are, um, uh, those main points to drive home and in support of what I think the main argument of the text is. And for me, um, I've, I've just found that, that it comes up naturally that, that the Lord just seems to open my mind as I'm preaching to what supports this best at the moment. Uh, and I would think part of that is because, um, having grown up listening to really, really good preaching, uh, a lot of that preaching was sort of saturated with illustrations. And what I found is that there were times when I could remember the illustration, but I couldn't remember the point mm. of the sermon. And so not that not that those were bad sermons, not that they, they, they certainly formed me in many ways, but um, I just have tended to steer clear of that a little bit to make sure that that my real emphasis is on the text and not on what I think illustrates the text um, so that people remember what's what's important. Okay. So let's talk about presentation a little bit. 
obviously, I can't ask you the the memorization question. You're not writing a manuscript and memorizing it. You, you've talked about what you take into the pulpit. What are some of the keys for you about the the delivery of the sermon when you go into the pulpit? What are those things that you say? Uh, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. This is you know everything from some of what you talked about already. Here's how I handle the outline to um, thinking through body language and all those things. What so um, so things have sort of evolved uh, for me um, over time. When um, when I first started preaching on a on a relatively consistent basis, filling in at different churches and um, as a part time staff member would get the chance to preach sometimes. Uh, it was definitely that manuscript and and reading essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that for who I am and for the personality that God's given me that just wasn't going to work long time, that I was never going to be effective. It doesn't mean that I think that's a wrong way to preach. I, I've heard lots of guys who manuscript their sermons and read them, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly blessed by that. That's just not me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was praying and I was asking the Lord to give me wisdom and to help me be free of that manuscript. I just thought I would do a better job of delivery if I didn't have to rely on it. Uh, and I can remember a distinct opportunity to preach in 2014, when I just said, you know what, I'm just going to give this a shot. Hmm. And I knew my outline well enough and I just went for it. And it was just like this newfound freedom of Hmm. being able to, to really bring um, what God was doing in me in, into the pulpit. And so since then uh, I've just sort of relied on this every now and then uh, I have a sermon that I preached from, from Acts 26 uh, several years ago that I just thought I've got to manuscript this thing. And I literally wrote it out word for word, went to the pulpit, and I said, guys, this is going to be different today. Mm. Uh, and I read. But most of the time, it's that basic manuscript or basic outline uh, with those um, those central points that are supported by what I think is the, is the good application of that. Um, and when I think about those application points, I tend to think of them, uh, this might be kind of odd, but I tend to think of them like a, like a tweet, uh, 140 characters. How okay. can I summarize um, the application of this particular part of the passage in that brief statement? And what that allows me to do is to drive towards that and then to walk from it. Uh, and it sort of is a rallying point within that, within that division of the text. Um, and the commentary part just sort of comes up every now and then. I feel like I ought to read this piece of this commentary, but most of the time, uh, it's it's that I've read this, I've been formed by it, I have my my take on it, uh, and that's coming up and coming out. As far as in the delivery itself, um, and how do we how do we respond? It, it really is reading the room um, and trying to see what are people responding to how are they taking this in um have they fallen flat are my words falling flat in which case we need to redirect uh and find a new way to go about this um you know one of the things that we that i started doing this summer that is a new thing for for us at friendship uh is that i no longer preach in the pulpit i've never really stood still um but this summer when we had bible school our platform uh, was covered with Bible school decorations and the pulpit had to be moved to the floor. Uh, and so I didn't really use it. I, I, I walked in front of it and, and preached. And uh, the next week I thought, I think I'm going to do this again. And so I walked down to the floor in front of our pews and I began preaching. Uh, and about three weeks went by 
and something had changed. I think I had to lead uh, the music that day at the last minute, and so I was already on the platform. I thought, well, I'll just stay here and preach from the pulpit, and about five minutes in, I just said, I'm going to walk down here uh, because I had gotten so accustomed to it, and I felt like there was more of a connection to the people than there had ever been. Uh, and so, you know, again, it's just what works for us where we are right now. Uh, doesn't mean I would do it forever or in other settings, but but for friendship, it's what's working, uh, and it it seems to let me connect better uh, to the people. So. Mm. Um, you, you talked about being influenced by guys um, growing up, sort of. Uh, guys you listen to who who were some of those most influential guys for you uh, in the in the early formative years of, of preaching so the the first expositor uh, like the I didn't know what that meant mm-hmm. but I but I now know what that means so the first person would have been um, sort of the first pastor that I had uh, Kevin Goza who pastors Trinity Baptist in Apopka Florida now uh, but he was our pastor then and I remember that he walked verse by verse through the book of Mark and I think it was the first time anyone in our congregation had ever heard anyone do that Mm. and it caused a lot of confusion there were a lot of people who thought of course it wasn't spiritual because you're not being led every week to a particular text but I look back on that now and I and I just think even as as a child hearing someone give that sort of attention to the word of God um, in order to help God's people be formed by it was really important to the way I've come to look at the preaching ministry. Um, certainly, um, I would say my childhood pastor, uh, Dr. David Spencer, um, he uh, is an incredible, incredible pastor, incredible preacher, um, was very much uh, uh, influenced by his language studies, uh, worked in the languages every day, and that came to bear a lot on his preaching and um he had the ability, he had this, one of the most incredible sermons that I remember from him uh, was on the uh, the story that Jesus tells um, <clears throat> about a, a house that was possessed of a demon and the demon's cast out and nothing comes to fill it that's good. And so now all of a sudden we have the demon returning sevenfold. And, and he talked about our lives and how our lives can be like that if we're not filled uh, with the spirit, if we don't walk in the power of the gospel, if we don't practice things that are holy, then we leave ourselves open to to attack and to being filled with the things of the world. And uh, just just his ability to to walk through the text in a way that um, that you just would have never imagined anyone else preaching this, mm. and yet you came away every week so touched by it. Um, and, and then maybe one other that, that was a local church pastor uh, was one of the pastors that I served under. Uh, so I moonlighted as a Methodist for a short Uh-oh. time in my life. Uh-oh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, my, my pastor, uh, Dr. Ed Glaze, at the time, I was I had such a hard heart, a lot of lot of issues there, but God used His continual reflection upon grace uh, to bring me to a place of repentance uh, and to, to bring conviction to my life. And it was it was sitting across that split chancel and looking at Him preach to God's people and listening to uh, Him preach through God's Word in a way that He always underscored God's grace uh, and gave an invitation to people to lay their sins down before the Lord of heaven and earth that that really just transformed uh, my heart. And then in terms of, of the guys who are well-known, uh, who've influenced me, um, I would just point to two that are, that are standouts. Uh, of course, Alistair Begg uh, has been so, so impactful in my life. Um, and then uh, Dr. Buddy Gray 
at Hunter Street Baptist in Hoover uh, has been uh, just a champion for mm-hmm. me and, and someone whose ministry has really uh, blessed my life. Okay. Do you have a, a favorite preaching book? No, not book of the Bible you like to preach from, but is there a book on preaching that you, if, if a guy comes to you and says, I think I'm called to preach, how do I do it? I want to learn to preach, whatever you say, have this book, here's this book, or or World do you five. not? You know, so so I don't. Okay. Um, I've read a lot of preaching books, uh, and, I, and, and it's not to say that I don't think there are things beneficial there. Um, I have personally been benefited more um, by pastoring books mm-hmm. than I have by preaching books. Uh, uh, and 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 one of those there's a book by is it is it Winter or Whitmer I would have to look back uh, but it's about practical shepherding and it is tremendous Stephen Whitmer I think that's it uh, so it was a really helpful book in, to me um, but as far as preaching I I have been more influenced by listening to preachers mm-hmm. and by talking through the mechanics of what do you do uh, and then. Um, striving to figure out how do I bring that to bear in, in my own ministry and, and make it mine. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, do you preach like your seminary professor taught you to preach? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, so, so I had, I think I could have guessed at that yeah, answer yeah, judging by yeah, the way you talked yes, about your process yes. and how it really is your own. It really um, is. But, um, Oh, I felt like I wanted to ask anything. Yeah, so. no, no, and that and that's nothing against him or even the process. It just that's just not uh, that's not me. And I think you know, uh, so so many of those sorts of things that we learn, um, they're they're great places to begin if mm-hmm. you don't know. But but the you know I told I, I have a, a young man in my church who um, has just moved to Alabama. Uh, and uh, hey, Josh, if you ever hear this, um, but anyways, he's he's just moved to UA and and he's doing his uh, finishing his degree, um, but he surrendered to the ministry last year, and so uh, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about pastoral ministry, talking about preaching, how do you get started, and and the thing I told him is what someone once told me: the only way to learn how to preach is to preach. So you take every opportunity you can, uh, you know, you go and preach in small little country churches who need somebody to fill in. You preach in nursing homes and mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, and in school settings, I mean, wherever you can, you you take those chances. And uh, you know, I, I remember um, Bob Pittman, the evangelist from North Alabama, one time saying, "You know, God's people are loving and forgiving to young preachers," and I have found that to be so true. Hmm. You know, starting preaching so young, when people used to say, "Oh, you'll be the next Billy Graham," or "You'll be this," or whatever, and and then you realize, you know what? That is just people who love me that just want me to keep being faithful. <laughs> Not that I'm really that good at all, uh, or ever would be, but but they were so kind. And I look back at some of those first sermons and think, "What was I doing?" But but that was what God was doing. He was birthing in me this uh, this faithfulness to Him and to pursue this calling uh, with abandon. Uh, and and He's been faithful to grow that skill. Very good. Well, that sounds like a great place to end. Unless there's anything that's burning in your heart that I haven't asked you about uh, that that you you want to say. Um, if not, I guess that's a good place to end. So we'll see you next time or whatever Heath normally says. I think he yells bye. <laughs>